to start with a, with a story here. Um, so in the late 1800s, there's a family from Europe, true story, and they had saved their pennies to try to really fulfill the dream of coming to America. And you come to America, and there's a new life they can have. And, but the more they saved, they realized they're just, they just thought, we'll never be able to afford the tickets to make it there. And so they, they uh, uh, save and save. What they didn't know is their family and friends were actually saving for them, and they surprised them and bought them tickets for them and the whole family to cross into to America. And so they purchased the tickets. Now, they could only afford the, like, least tickets. So these are the lowest of the lows of the tickets. They're in the bottom of the ship. So they walk in. They, they'd never seen anything that ornate on the, on the deck. They, they pass the dining hall and the crystal chandeliers and place settings and buffets. And they'd never seen anything like that. And so they do that. And like, wow. And, and then they go to where their ticket says. And they go further and further and further and further down. They're like in the the dankest, nastiest place they could be in the ship. But man, we're going to America. They had the clothes on their back, a few possessions in a bag, and a whole lot of cheese and crackers because they knew they couldn't afford the meals. And so they go on the, on the ship and they're excited, but with each day, it's so dark and gloomy. They had a porthole, but they're so low, all they see is the darkness of the ocean. Um, they see nothing. And they just get discouraged, like, are we even never going to make it there, and was it worth it, you know? We had all of this promise of going to America in a new life, and yet, is it worth it? Are we going to make it? And they just were depressed. You know, when I, when I reheard that story this week, I thought about it. I heard it a long time ago. I thought, sometimes that feels like the Christian life. I'm saved, you know. <laughs> I boarded the SS Salvation. That's cheesy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm saved. I'm on the ship. I'm going. We're going to, man, it's so good. And, and you feel that rush. You remember when you were saved, like that rush? <sighs> you know, my sin's forgiven. You get baptized, you know. And it doesn't matter if the, the waters were icy cold or, or warm like bath water. You come out of the water, you just feel the Holy Spirit. And Depending what tradition you, like if you're in a charismatic church, you not only, not only get to experience salvation, but then they pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit, and you feel like zonked, and you know, and maybe depending on what tradition you came from, you spoke in tongues, whatever, like you had this experience, this rush of the Holy Spirit, you felt the warmth of God's love, and, and you start living this thing, and you got the ticket, you got the promise, but you start wondering, am I just eking this thing out, just trying to make it to heaven, like is we going to make it, you know? And you start feeling drier and drier, and then you start thinking, is it worth it? Because it just feels like it's so hard, and it's just difficult, isn't it? And I find a lot of Christians, I've seen it in my own life, like we lose this vibrancy that we once had. And, and yet I, I read this thing. Uh, have you ever read? I mean, shoot, you could pick up on a little bit of just the prayer we just prayed and some of the scriptures that I was alluding to as I prayed. Like, this church back here, like... They didn't have it easy. They had famines. They, were, they lost family members and friendships, relationships, because they were following Jesus. That's not easy. They were put in jail. Some of them were killed. They experienced famine. The church in Jerusalem was incredibly impoverished because they lost jobs. They lost family connections. They lost inheritances over following Jesus. That's not easy. And yet you read this thing, and there's a vibrancy. I mean, Peter and John get out of jail in Acts 4, and the first thing they do is they go find a small group that's praying, so let's pray. And they don't pray like, Lord, make life easy, feed us, 
Put, put more zeros at the end of our bank account. You know, you don't pray that. They say, Lord, stretch out your hand and do mighty miracles. Give us boldness to speak before kings and queens, to preach your word more boldly. And the Holy Spirit fell. And there's a life there. There's, a, there's, a, there's something going on in their life. And they're not just waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. They're experiencing something. Don't, don't you want something like that? I know I do. I don't want to just eke out an existence and like, well, I hope I don't do anything too stupid that makes me go to hell before I'm going to heaven. You know, it's like, I want, to, I want something more than that. There's got to be more than just trying to make it through life and, you know, have a good funeral and they all get together and eat the little jello molds and potato salads and celebrate you and, you know, at least they made it. You know? Like, I want more vibrancy than that in life, don't you? week um uh, logan vineyard's doing the same uh we're doing the same teaching as a conference in brazil because they asked us if we'd come into a spiritual gifts conference and it didn't take much discernment whether we should come or not because they didn't know but that's what we are preaching this fall um uh there's actually two churches in toledo a vineyard and then a non-vineyard heard we were doing this said can we do all the same teachings sure so i just throw everything on a folder and we all work on it together and they just through the miracle of the cloud, they, they get this stuff and get to do it too. So it's kind of cool. We're all doing this at this time. But the theme is everyone gets to play, and we'll tease that out later. But we're doing this series, and we're going to talk the first few weeks about the gift of the Holy Spirit himself. And then we're going to talk after that, we're going to do a nine-week deep dive on spiritual gifts. And I don't know of anything else. Maybe the Father's love, maybe worship, and then throw this one in there. I, I think this is one of the key teachings, key experiences you can have to have a vibrant Christian life, and that's what we're going to be studying. You know, the great churchman, A.W. Tozer, in the 1930s said this. He said, if the Holy Spirit left the book of Acts, 95% of their actions would cease. If the Holy Spirit, um, actually, uh, if the Holy Spirit left the modern church, 95% of their actions would continue if it left the modern church today. So 95% of the actions in Acts would stop if the Holy Spirit left, 95% of the modern church actions would continue if the Holy Spirit was pulled out. That was said in like the 1930s. I bet it's worse. Like if you look at the book of Acts, it's characterized by the Holy Spirit and his fall on people. And what was so revolutionary about the New Testament church is for millennia and millennia, only the special people got the Holy Spirit. Prophets, priests, and kings in the Old Testament got the Holy Spirit. And yet, they would look forward to a day when everybody, everyone would get to play. Everybody would get the Holy Spirit. Moses, one of the preeminent prophets in the Old Testament in Numbers eleven twenty nine, says, Oh, that all the people of God would be prophets. He was looking forward to a day when all the people could experience the Spirit instead of just the, the professional religious people, instead of just the few celebrities, the prophets, the priests, and the kings. It's that everybody got to play. And, and this prophecy kind of reaches full-on heights by Joel uh, chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Joel chapter 2. Joel's a great book. I mean, for one thing, the guy was lucky enough to be named after me. And so that was right off the bat, like pretty good. Um, Joel is a prophet. We, we, we don't have a lot of details about his life, but he lived about 830 years before the time of Christ. Um, it was in a time when the people of God had rebelled against God for hundreds of years, and they had suffered his discipline. They had also, also just suffered kind of the, 
the judgment that just kind of comes when, when God's here and you decide to live on your own. It's not sometimes that God's sending lightning bolts your way. It's just that it's good to be under the presence of God. And if you choose to live without him, then okay, he'll let you do that. But you miss all the stuff that comes from living under him, right? And so they're experiencing all this hardship and other countries are taken over and some of them have been exiled. And the flavor or the theme of Joel's book is about free days of the Lord. He begins by talking about a past day of the Lord when the people had rebelled and worshipped idols and God had let locusts come and eat all their food and it caused the people of God to repent, to change the way they think and began to call out to Jesus or to God and they repented and God gave mercy and he, he gave them food to replace all that the locusts had ate. And he, that's a past day of the Lord. Then Joel begins to see a future day of the Lord and he begins to see locusts but as he begins to describe them, they're actually invading armies of men who are going to take over the country because the country, once again, has worshipped idols. And again, the people are called to repent, and Joel sees that they will one day repent, and God will give mercy and restore their land. And then he begins to talk about a third day of the Lord, and this one is called the future day of the Lord. Like It's kind of like capital T-H-E, the future day of the Lord. And this day of the Lord is a day when the Lord is going to come to earth and begin to restore heaven on earth. And this is what Joel says in verse 28, afterwards I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, old men dream dreams, young men see visions. Even on my servants, men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. I'll show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. Sun will turn to darkness, moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now rabbis would look at this picture and they would teach, and there's a couple other similar ones in the Old Testament. They would look at this and they would say, the spirit of the Lord is relegated to the past of Israel. Like, all the heroes, like back here, the Moses, the Abrahams, the Samsons, Gideons, Isaiahs, Ezekiels, Daniels, Jeremiah. They would say the Spirit's relegated to that, but there's coming a day, the day of the Lord, when the Lord will bring heaven to earth, and then the Spirit will be for everybody. But until then, there's just not much happening. It's the promise has been made but the promise is not fulfilled until the Lord brings heaven to earth. That's what the rabbis would teach, and some rabbis would still teach that. It's much like the promise of going to a new land, and yet you just got to try to eke it out through all the hardships and hope you're lucky enough to make it. And for most of God's people, they would have said, it probably won't happen in my lifetime, but I keep looking for the day when the Lord's man, the Messiah, will bring heaven to earth and he will come down and then he will allow it so that everybody can be a prophet, everybody can have the spirit, everybody can play. 800 years after Joel, after 400 years of absolute silence, no prophetic words happening among God's people, no prophets, a young itinerant carpenter, preacher, named Jesus stands up, reads a similar prophecy from the book of Isaiah and say, today this is being fulfilled in your hearing. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor and the poor in spirit, to heal blind eyes, to release people from captives, to take what is ashes in their life and trade it in and they'll receive beauty, to take mourning and to turn it into dancing. And everybody in that church service in the synagogue leaned forward because they knew what it meant. The guy was claiming 
the end had begun. The day of the Lord was beginning. Something new and cataclysmic was happening. He would say things like, I'm not just going to baptize you in water. I'm going to baptize you in fire and the Holy Spirit. And again, it was one of those things of like, you mean everybody can have the Holy Spirit? Not just the celebrities? Not just like the celebrity priests and rabbis and kings who had their TikTok accounts and would like pray for people and see a miracle and go, hey, see, it's me. You know, not those guys. Like, it's going to be everybody? He said, yeah. He promises that. Before he dies, he says, wait on me after I leave. And the disciples are like, what are you talking about after you leave? They don't even know what he's saying. Wait on me in Jerusalem after I leave, and you will be clothed with power from on high. And Luke 24 says he was talking about the Holy Spirit. So sure enough, he dies. Three days later, he rises from the dead. For 40 days, he teaches on the Holy Spirit, and then he leaves. And as he's leaving, after he's taught on the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God for 40 days, he says, I'm leaving. Wait and ask for my Holy Spirit, and my Father, who's a good Father, will give you the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, ask and wait, and you will receive power from the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses throughout the world. And so they ask and they wait for another 10 days. Now it's 50 days after Passover, which happened when Jesus was crucified, a Jewish festival. 50 days later, another festival happens, and it's called Pentecost. Hundreds of thousands of Jews, literally hundreds of thousands of Jews, would make the difficult journey by foot, by camel, by donkey, by boat, to Jerusalem from around the known world. And they filled up. They sometimes tripled Jerusalem's population with the festival. They all show up for this festival. They're all in the, most of them around the temple. And the 120 followers of Jesus are in a little side room praying and waiting. They've been praying and waiting for 10 days. Look what happens. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, all meaning the 120. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled, not just the disciples the 12, or now the 11, because of Judas, not, not just the 11, but all 120, not just the men, but the women, were filled with the Holy Spirit. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. Fishermen, tax collectors, ex-prostitutes, moms, dads, white-collar, blue-collar, young, old, all of them received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they all knew, because they were all good Jews, they knew Joel 2 by heart. They'd memorized it. They knew what it began to mean. The last days, the new age has begun, this new time of heaven coming into earth. The, the, the promise that was made has been kept. They start speaking in other languages. We don't have time to read it, but in Acts 2, I don't know, there's probably 10 or 11 different nations that are represented, and they're grouped by north, south, east, and west um, groups. And so they're all grouped in these languages, and they start saying, man, I'm hearing these Galileans, which were, which were considered back then to be country bumpkins. They were made fun of for being backwoodsy people. My people, you know, they're my people. Um, and they're like, I didn't know they taught all these foreign languages in Galilee, you know, <laughs> like, how are, what's going on? And and then, apparently, the power of the Spirit was on them so much, they were staggering around, doing some stuff, just the power of the Spirit was on them, and people started saying, man, these guys are drunk, and if you're going to throw humor Peter's way, Peter's going to stand up and throw it back. So in verse 14, Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, addressed the crowd, 
Fellow Jews and all those who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen very carefully what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. It's too early to be drunk, he said. We couldn't drink enough wine by nine. It's the Holy Spirit. Somebody between services said, you know, remember the, this is for the older crowd here, the Jimmy Buffett song, it's five o'clock somewhere or whatever. Somebody said, we need like a picture of all the disciples say it's 9 a.m. somewhere, you know, like here we are. You know, it's 9 a.m. somewhere, baby. The Spirit's falling somewhere. Might as well be here. So it's 9 a.m. somewhere. Then Peter goes on to say, verse 16, no, this is very carefully, listen to this church, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. Right now, whatever you've heard about the last days, we've been living there for 2,000 years because Peter said it started then. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my, sp- my spirit on all people. Which people? All. all. Did a deep dive on the Greek on this. The original language is written in. Guess what all means? Oh, you studied it too, apparently. So yeah, all, everybody. All people, sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out the Spirit in those days and will prophesy. I'll show wonders in the heaven above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to the darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. So he's saying what you heard. All this cataclysmic shift, the Spirit of the Lord coming down on everybody, old and young, and and doesn't matter your socioeconomic status, even the slaves are going to get of it. It doesn't matter your gender, women are going to get it. It's like for everybody. It's not just the special people anymore. And he ends by saying, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you don't get anything else, man, the, the promise that was made is the promise that was kept. The ticket they had received from salvation was not just hope you make it to heaven, hope you can eke it out, you know. If you're a Calvinist, you're okay because you're thinking, well, I'm going to be saved no matter what. If you grew up in like the holiness movement, you're like, well, I hope I don't lose my salvation. I've got to hold on a ticket. You know I mean, so wherever you're at on that, you're still trying to eke it out. But he said, no, 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 no. You don't have to eke it out. The promise that was made in Joel is the promise that has been kept. We're still living in the last days in this age where the kingdom of heaven has broke into the earth. The age to come, all that was expected at that final day of the Lord has already broken into our day and the day of the Lord has already started and everyone who calls on the Lord will get saved and everyone can prophesy, have the spirit, have dreams, have visions. There is more that you're supposed to be experiencing than you're currently experiencing. Jesus said this, I think John 16, 7. I know it's somewhere between 14 and 16. 49-year-old brain just isn't kicking as well. But somewhere in there, that's always how you want a preacher to preach, by the way. Somewhere in the Bible it says. In second hesitations, I think it says. You know, but John 16, 7, I think, says, Jesus says this. He says, it is for your good that I'm going away so I can send the Holy Spirit. Let me just ask you this. If you had the choice between the Holy Spirit and Jesus walking through the doors right now, which would you choose? Not a trick question. I'm pretty sure I know which one you'd choose because it's probably the one I'm choosing. Jesus. And yet Jesus says the experience of the Holy Spirit is to be so vibrant, it would be better for you to have the Holy Spirit living in you than one Jesus in the flesh. And it's better to have Jesus in heaven and send his presence because now there's not one Jesus trying to minister in one place to seven billion people but if I just take this room, there's a hundred little Jesuses potentially in the room because the spirit of the Lord is in every believer. 
Romans 8, 9 says, if you don't, or excuse me, Romans 8, 7 says, if you don't have the spirit of Jesus, then you're not saved. So everybody that knows Jesus in the room is, has a little Jesus ministry going, and it's called the Holy Spirit. And it's supposed to be so vibrant, you would choose to have the spirit of the living Lord in you instead of having the physical Jesus in front of you and not having the Holy Spirit. Let me just ask you a question. Are you living as if the promise was made or that the promise was kept? Are you living as if the promise was made or the promise was kept? Are you experiencing the life and vibrancy of Jesus? Are you regularly experiencing ongoing fillings of the Spirit? Or are you just living as if the promise was made and you're trying to eke out an existence on the bottom of the boat called life? Are you experiencing the indwelling presence of the Spirit in your life? If not, you're missing out on the gifts that empower you to help those around you. You're missing out on the power to be personally transformed and to become a changed person. You're missing out on hearing God's voice. Are you living as if the promise was just made or as if the promise was kept? See, that family in my story that I began with, that family had a little boy, and the little boy got bored sitting in that room for five days. And so on day six, he began to go out of the room and he began to explore the bottom of the ship and then he saw the stairs and he said, ah, nobody's here, I'll just go up the stairs. He goes up the stairs and he sees a member of the crew top of one of the landings and he just decides to walk past him and the guy doesn't ask for his ticket and he keeps going and he explores more. He gets out to the deck, he has the fresh air of the, uh, of the sea and, uh, and the atmosphere and the, and the sun hits him and he begins to walk and the captain of the ship and says, young man, you look like you love this ship, you're looking around, would you like to eat dinner with me tonight? And he goes, I can't, I've only got this ticket. And he goes, well that ticket is all inclusive, you get everything the ship has, it's free, it's all been paid for. By that time, the dad who was worried had begun looking for his son. He was worried, did he get hurt in the engine room? Did he get kidnapped? Did he go outside and fall overboard? And he sees the son. He begins to chastise him. What are you doing? You're going to get in trouble. We don't belong here. And he goes, no, 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 dad. The captain says the ticket's already been paid for. Like, we have access to everything on the boat. Christian, Jesus follower, the ticket has been paid for. When Peter says the, uh, the sun will go dark, billows of smoke and clouds, a moon will turn blood red, there wasn't a listener there, and there certainly wasn't a disciple there that didn't recall 50 days earlier on a Friday afternoon when the sun went dark and in the gloominess of the clouds, the full moon of Passover rose and it was a burnt orange red and they realized something cataclysmic had happened in the ages. That the promise of the Spirit was now a promise that was kept. That every follower of Christ could be filled with the Holy Spirit, have the gift of the Holy Spirit, and have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Everybody gets to play. Everyone gets to play. The question is, are you living as if the promise has been made or as the promise has been kept? And you say, well, how could I do that, Joel? Let me just give you two quick things and we'll wrap up. And you're going to get like 12 weeks of this. So you're going to get plenty to do. So don't worry about that. But let me just say this. I would be at gatherings. If I want more of the Spirit, I just know real well that I, there's a lot I can do on my own, but there's just something about getting with one, two, or ten, or a hundred other people. Like, it's hard to read this book and see feelings of the Spirit that don't happen 
except in gatherings. And so on Sunday mornings, be here and hold your life out and say, I want more of the Holy Spirit. Worship and give God honor and glory and engage with him. And then as worship begins to wind down, wait for him and say, I want more of you. Our small groups are going to start here September, uh, the week of September 19th. And we've got a little 10-minute to 15-minute video for each small group that covers what was covered in the, in the um, sermon. And then it's got readings and discussion questions and then activities and activations for every small group to do to wait on the Spirit and ask for Him. And there's certain special things each week to do. We've got to come Holy Spirit night, September 26th. We've got a worship circle night, October 30th, which is be an open time of worship. We're actually going to sit the chairs in a circle, and if you want to bring an instrument, you can bring it, and we're just going to hang out and worship together. So we've got these pockets of gatherings where you can gather with other people and worship and wait on the Spirit. But I'd say something you can begin to practice today and this week and throughout this series and hopefully the rest of your life is do what Jesus said. It's always a good idea to do what Jesus said. You know, I'm not smart, but I figured it out. And he said, ask and wait. I don't know why it is, but my Pentecostal friends, you know, you want to get under the spout where the glory comes out. I, I don't know why it is, but usually it's not, okay, I'm going to get under the spout. Come Holy Spirit, boom. It's, it doesn't work that way. Like what I found is I have to be patient and wait. And here's what I would suggest. Wait till you experience the Spirit. Like tomorrow morning when you wake up, pray, come Holy Spirit and wait. And don't leave waiting until you sense the peace and presence of the Spirit. It doesn't have to be a, might just be a sense of peace. Okay. He's God. He can give you what he wants. So if he gives you peace, great. If you feel an empowerment, great. If you get an encouraging word for a friend, great. Whatever you get, that's great. I would just wait until you sense the Spirit. Because that seems to be what happened in, in the book. They would just wait and ask. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 11, if you ask my heavenly father, who is a good heavenly father, to give you the spirit, he will not give you a stone or a scorpion or a snake. <laughs> when your kids ask for food, even the most evil father gives them food. Like you don't know a father that said, huh, my kid wanted a peanut butter sandwich and I gave him a scorpion. <laughs> Got him. I What? And if you do, then, you know, that's just the exception that proves the rule, right? Like, so your heavenly father, you're going to ask for the spirit. You don't have to worry about getting the demon. He's going to give you the what? The Holy Spirit. So just ask and wait. In fact, that's how we should end. Would you just stand with me? And let's pray that we would begin to experience right now the promise that was kept, not just the promise that was made. If you feel comfortable with it, I would encourage your posture of your body to hopefully match the posture of your heart, which is to just simply wait for the Lord with the hands open. This is a sign of surrender, and it's a sign of just, uh, I don't have enough of anything in my life, Lord. I need more of you. It's a confession that I can't do life on my own. I need you. So would you just ask for the Holy Spirit to come? Now let's just wait.